Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, president and CEO of Gen Next Wealth, a fee-only financial planning and investment firm. Today, we are beginning our journey on the family. This month, all of our episodes are going to be dedicated to family. We'll be talking about family as it pertains to finance, as it pertains to health, as it pertains to marriage, and touching on a few different topics that I may not have mentioned right now as this month shapes out. I hope you guys have been enjoying the guests that we've had on and these focus areas that we've had. And we want to continue to send our thoughts and prayers out to all the families that have been affected by the COVID-19. I believe we will overcome this, not only as a country, but as the global community that we are, we will all overcome this. I have nothing but faith in the people that are working on this and our ability to uphold each other in prayer. So once again, all those families that have been affected around the world, we just want to let you know that we are continuing to pray for you and we know that you will be well soon. So stay safe while you're out there. With that being said, we're going to jump right into this show. And today we're going to be joined by the one Dave Stewart. Dave and I had met because I've always wanted to have someone on that was a family counselor. And Dave is the founder of Stewart Family Counseling and Stewart Performance Coaching. And you know what? I've been talking for two minutes already, and I didn't even let you get a word in yet. So Dave Stewart, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Awesome. Just being a part of, you know, Emily, your podcast. Again, I just checked out the work that you're doing, man, and I'm super impressed. I think we're kind of kindred spirit. Just looking forward to uh, just sharing, you know, my side of the world. Hopefully, you know, putting it all together will be of a huge benefit to your listeners, man. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So, Dave, you don't mind giving us a little bit of background about your sort of introduction about, about yourself, and then we'll jump into a few other things. Okay, sounds cool. Yeah. As you shared, I am the principal of Stewart Family Counseling and Stewart Performance Coaching. Wasn't a therapist all my life, though. I had a myriad of experiences up until this point. I was a paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne, jumped out of airplanes like a nut, but that definitely got me interested in psychology. Asking myself, why, why, why would anyone want to jump out of a personally graded aircraft? But anyway, uh, along with uh, being a paratrooper, was also in business. I was an insurance broker for about 13 years. I was also in the ministry for quite a few years, working with singles and men's ministry and that type of thing. Also taught as well as an adjunct professor at the university level. Currently, along with the psychotherapy that I do, which I'll explain in just a moment, I also do what they call performance coaching work with the business owners and entrepreneurs, sales professionals, helping them put together goals for their businesses. But the main work that I do with them is I help them identify what I call gremlins in their head. You know, those psychological obstacles that keep them from actually gaining and experiencing those goals that they set for themselves. And I do the same type of work with athletes as well, some high school athletes as well, some athletes at the collegiate level. I help them, you know, get their mind game in line with their physical so that everything is operating on the same page. That's the coaching side with the other counseling side. Uh, I work with what a typical therapist would do, working with those who are depressed, who are highly anxious, especially in this culture and this 
place that we're in now in the world, I've seen a lot of anxious calls. You know, my main focus, the main work that I do in my practice is working with couples and families, and in particular, working with men that normally would not go see a therapist. First of all, thank you for your service to our country. We appreciate that. And then service in the ministry. I actually was in ministry for a little while as well. Most of my listeners may know that, may not know that. But yeah, I used to be a assistant pastor in Inland when I was 26 years old. So I was a young assistant pastor. Yeah. That was a fun, fun, fun time. I had a lot of fun with that. Very, very demanding work. So as you know, to be able to have you on the show with this background and just like as I'm listening to what you said you did, you know, jumping out of airplanes, then have some ministry, then did some teaching. Then, I mean, it's like everything that you've done has led you up to where you're at, right? Absolutely. I love that. And as you're talking about it, I heard you say psychotherapy, and that's not one of the questions that I had teed up, but tell us a little bit about that. And this is a two-part, maybe a three-part, multi-part question, but because you said that you specialize or work with men that normally wouldn't go see a counselor. Yes. Okay. So that's probably 90% of the men that are listening right now, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Look here, if you were to break an ankle, it would make absolutely no sense for you to say, well, this is my broken ankle. I should be able to fix it since I've been with this ankle since I was born. No, you would go to someone who has had training in working with broken ankles. You wouldn't think twice about it. Well, you've got something inside your skull that's a whole lot more complex than an ankle. And it does not reduce who you are. If there's things not working there and going to a professional who knows how the brain operates to help you fix it. So one of the things that I try to help men understand is that it's not a show of weakness when you're going through a challenge, when you're going through a struggle, because as human beings, we are wired for connection. We're wired to support one another. One of the things that I really challenged by is when I hear people talk about someone being a self-made man, self-made this. No, you didn't create the money. You didn't create the resources. Somebody was there to teach you. Somebody was there to help you out. You're standing on the shoulders of somebody else. There is no self-made person. And for us to grasp the reality and the value of having a team of people help you be the best that you can be, that's how I'm able to help men is recognize that this is not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's a sign of strength. When you put together a team that's going to be there for your benefit, to help you be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So what we do is not necessarily, you know, you coming to seek help doesn't mean that you're necessarily broken. But what it's saying is I need to align some things to make sure that I'm operating at optimal levels. I love that because I think that similar to what I do in the fact is like, I try to get people to align their money with their values, right? This is what I value. Let's make sure that your money is being spent on the things that you value. Yes. And, And so when you're saying align, you know, there may be some results that you're trying to get in life, but you're not be able to get those results because you're not aligning those actions with the thoughts and things of that nature. I, I think I might be going the right direction. No, you absolutely are, okay. because this is the thing. The way the brain operates, the way our minds operate, the brain and the mind are two different things. The brain being the physical, the mind being the electrical impulse. There are certain conditionings that we have early in our life that by the time we reach the age around 22, 23, they become locked in. And what happens is circumstances change, but we're locked into this one way of doing things. So it's not quite aligned. And unfortunately, we don't have a tendency to see clearly what we're doing wrong. Other people do, but we don't. 
And by going to someone to receive some good counsel, to receive some good therapy in a non-threatening environment will help you see what needs to be tweaked, which is not always easy, but what needs to be tweaked so that you truly are operating at optimal levels. It's just like with my wife. When I'm single, there's certain things that I may not see. You know, if I go in with my collar all messed up, walk out the door, I think I'm looking fine. But when people are looking at me like, whoa, now someone's kind enough to say, hey, man, let me fix your collar. That's great. But for the most part, I don't even know my collar is messed up. But if I walk out the door with my wife, she's going to grab me by the collar and say, I can't have you going out looking like this. And she will straighten that collar out for me. Same with psychology. We may be doing some things that we're comfortable doing, but may not be right. But receiving some help will be that person there to kind of fix your collar to make sure what you don't see, they're able to see, they're able to correct so that, you know, you're walking out acting and looking straight. I love that. As we're talking about this, and like you said, you have the Stewart Family Counseling. So we may be able to dissect this a little bit. The way that I would look at it is, so let's say we have mom and dad in the house, right? And then I just wanted to kind of segue this. And today's episode is just going to be focused on the family. So we're going to try to focus on how we can help families of color. But I'm sure that the principles are going to be applicable to no matter who you are. I always like to stress that to the listeners. I know it is minority money and that is our target audience. But you're going to pick up some free jewelry in here too. So you pick up some gems no matter who you are. So what I was thinking about when you were saying that is like, okay, so mom and dad are getting ready to go out of the house, right? And mom is trying to tell dad that he needs to fix his collar. Yes. Right. And you were saying a lot of the stuff that you have made up, like the people are made up of, like the way they think usually is done by the time they're 23, 24, if I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes. So typically people are getting married a little later after that. And some of those things that you have in your life somehow begin to rear their head up when you get married and then now you pass those things to each other. And then you have these little people that come, which are the blessings of the marriage, right? You have these children that come and now we have all of that. So talk to us a little bit, help us out. Cause I mean, I don't even know where to begin. You know, we are all a product of our background and our upbringing. You know, whether our parents were the best in the world or whether they're the worst, they impact how we do the rest of our lives. That's how much influence parents have. And as adults, as parents, as married couples, the folks that are most successful are the ones who have an open mind. See, because what happens, and I'm oversimplifying this, but you know, our mind can be broken down into two sections. We have our conscious mind and we have our subconscious mind. Our conscious mind is what we're engaging in now. I'm sharing something, you're thinking about it, you're responding, and we're you know, engaging in this way. The subconscious mind is below the surface, and that houses your memories, all of the stuff that you've experienced in the past. And what happens is this, our subconscious mind also owns our emotion. And what happens is the subconscious mind looks for certain patterns that have happened in your past and actually controls how you behave. And in many cases, we do it without questioning it. Why? Because our emotions are involved. And what happens is if I'm used to doing a thing a certain way, my subconscious mind says, this is the safe way. This is the right way of doing things and locks it in. Now, if I marry someone who may be of a different background than me, 
there's an inevitable clash because their subconscious mind is saying their way is the right way of doing it. And the subconscious mind resists change. Why? Because to the subconscious mind, change is dangerous. It's unknown. But the person that is open-minded, instead of allowing their subconscious mind to control them, they allow themselves to stay at a conscious level. And even though I may not feel this is right, let me at least consider it. Let me at least consider what this person is saying. And what happens is, you know, you pick up new information, more empowering information than what you had in the past. Now, a good example, I'll be brief with this, a good example of how powerful that subconscious mind is over the conscious mind is in our country, we drive on the right-hand side of the road. It's obvious. You don't think about it. And if you were to go to Australia or you go to Japan or London or any of that type of thing, they drive on the left-hand side of the road. We know this at a conscious level. But if we were to be airdropped and dropped into uh, London or Sydney, Australia, and propped into a rental car, our feeling is to drive on the right-hand side of the road, even though they drive on the left-hand side. We know this consciously, but I feel like driving on the right-hand side of the road, and we have to override that feeling and do what is right, even though I feel like doing something else. That's how powerful the subconscious mind is. It will cause you to question even reality. Oh, wow. Okay. And the challenge with this, at least in London, what will keep me to do the right thing is survival. I may feel like driving on the right-hand side of the road until I see a truck headed my way. I'll immediately go to the left-hand side of the road. In other words, reality forces me to do what's right, even though I feel like doing something different. As far as behavioral patterns, how I interact with my kids, how I interact with others, it's not as immediate. We have a tendency to do what we feel like doing, even if facts say otherwise, because we're more emotionally driven than rationally driven, because it takes effort to maintain an open mind. It's easier just to go with your old patterns. That's powerful, because I think about how that decisions that we make impact our entire family, whether they're right, wrong, emotionally driven, subconscious, conscious, like all those decisions that we make do have an impact in our family. In our family. See, this is the thing. When you're single, mm-hmm. The only person you really have to be responsible for is yourself. So if you want to act crazy, the only impact it's going to have is on you. But it becomes exceedingly, exceedingly important that you have a level of maturity once you get married, and especially if you have kids, because the choice that you make at that time is going to affect a lot of people. When I do these premarital workshops, one of the things that I share with these couples, the first week of their workshop, it's usually around eight weeks, is that marriage is for grown folk, not children. If you're not careful, you're going to be hit really hard with the fact that marriage is going to demand more from you than what you think you're going to get out of this side of marriage. And you have to have a level of maturity that says, I'm willing to transcend how I'm feeling and do what is right even though I feel like doing something else. And it's easier for me to say it than for us to actually live it. Exactly. So this is why you talk about the power of focus, right? Yes, absolutely. So what is that? Talk to us about that. What is the power? Well, in fact, let me do a step back. I adhere to a way of thinking called rational thinking. 
and what is rational thinking, how it's defined as far as how I train people and how, you know, to get people to actually experience success. Rational thinking is this. Before I land on a belief in anything, I want to make sure that that belief can be backed up with evidence, proof, facts. Now, that may sound obvious, but remember about the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind operates on patterns. And what are those patterns? What's worked for me in the past is going to work for me in the future, no matter what these circumstances are. That's when things get a little wonky. You can have a, you know, you have a tendency to misapply a behavior based upon past experience. What was true yesterday may not be true today. So the rational thinker is someone that says, if I have a strong belief about something before I act on that, before I act on that, let me make sure that it can be backed up with evidence, facts, and proof. So what is focus? Focus says, I am going to zero in on a goal or an objective that can truly be accomplished. Because I have the evidence, the proof, and the facts that this can be done. This is different than wishful thinking. Wishful thinking says, I'm going to believe this in spite of the evidence. And that's what sets a person up for failure. Why? Because their thinking is not in line with reality. Reality wins every time. So when you're going through something like this, and you know, I always think about counseling. And when I think about counseling, I think about counseling as an individual. I do think about marital counseling, premarital counseling, but how do you take someone's, I'm guessing you're not doing this all in one session, right? It takes time for this stuff to happen. But when you have a husband and wife together, and now you're trying to go through different things that they've brought into the marriage, because we all have our own, I always like to call it each, like, I don't care if someone's, you know, two people are black and they get married, two people are white and they get married, or two people are whatever nationality get married, but each culture has its own family culture. And how you take that family culture and then put them together, throw some kids in there, buy a house, get a mortgage, you know, and all that stuff and say, let's make this work. The power of focus comes in and the rational thinking. And so how does like. You have two people with different backgrounds. I don't care if you're black and black, white and red, whatever. You have two people with different backgrounds. Okay. Yes, there could be a common culture, but there's still two people with different backgrounds coming together and actually sharing a life. See, this is the challenge with that. We're used to doing things the way I do it, the way I've done it. I've done things and it's worked for me. But now I fall in love and decide I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. This is the problem with that. The time that I did spend with you was just a sliver of time. It was our dating time. And everybody is on their best behavior. Why? Because if I'm digging you, I'm going to do everything that I can to get you to dig me. So I'm going to be on my best behavior. You're going to be on your best behavior. And I'm going to fall in love, not with you. I'm going to fall in love with what you're presenting. Mm -hmm. But this is the problem. When I marry you, I not only get the final production, what you presented, but I also get the backstage. I get the rehearsal. Yeah. I get stuff you didn't share with me before we dated. We all have a backstage. We all have a rehearsal. Now, how do you fix that? You recognize that because I'm now sharing a life with someone, I cannot expect 
that this person will be a satellite in my universe. Why? Because they're their own universe. So what that means is we both now have to transcend how we do things and create a new universe that accommodates both of us. See, a lot of people get married with the expectation that you're going to do what I like you to do. Don't start nothing now. Come on, man. We, no, you we don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to hear the truth. Look, the, look at how irrational that is. That presupposes <laughs> that this person is willing to be my slave. Now, I say that's irrational because no one, no one, if you knew that I had the ability to have mind control over you, there's no way in heck you'd have me on this podcast. I don't trust you that's no. going to make my eyes go in circles <laughs> and I say bark like a dog yeah. and you start barking. There's no way I'm going to. No one wants anyone to control their mind. Well, guess what? You've got billions of people that think just like you. You don't want anybody to control your mind and other people don't. Yet I get ticked off when you don't do what I tell you to do. Wow. Okay. So I'm hearing this right now. You probably get long lines right now. People trying to talk to you, everybody at home together. We don't get. <laughs> this doesn't work, man. And that's why I say marriage requires a level of maturity because you're being asked to create a new way of doing things that's completely, well, I wouldn't say completely, but for the most part, different than what you've done up until this point in your life. And that's not wishful thinking. That's just reality. You are now sharing a life with someone that has a different way of doing it. And either the two of you are going to battle over whose way is right. And rarely does anyone succeed. I always say, if you win a marital argument, the marriage loses. Because if you win and the other person loses, the whole thing loses. So you said if you win a marital fight, the marriage, the loses. marriage loses. Wow, I never heard that before. If you win the fight, the marriage loses. Because wow, if okay. I've made the decision to share my life with you, there's something now more important than me. Now, other people say, oh, the spouse is more important. No, no, the spouse is not more important than you. You know what's more important than you? It's the marriage. And see, we have a problem with the word submit. Submission? See, in order for a marriage to work, I have to be willing to submit to this entity called marriage. And I like how you position that. You didn't say submit to the person. You're submitting to the idea of this marriage that you wanted to get into. So then it removes the personage from it that I'm not submitting to this person. I'm submitting to the idea, which goes back to the whole thing about driving on the left-hand side of the road or the right-hand side of the road. Rationally, it doesn't make sense. But once you take the person out and now you're saying, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm following this. I think I'm following it. You're you're picking up a lot faster than my clients, okay? This is the thing, bro. (laughs) If I try going to your job, and telling your supervisor, I'm going to do things my way because my way is the right way. <laughs> what if you had a company of 25 individuals, all smart, but no SOP, no standard? It would be complete chaos with all those smart people. But what does a standard operational procedure manual do? It puts everybody on the same page. Now, if an organization that you only spend a portion of your life requires that, what makes you think a marriage doesn't require an SOP as well? Who you're going to be spending all of your life with. There has to be a standard that me and you, baby, submit to to keep this marriage organization running smoothly. Wow, that's powerful stuff. I like that a lot. I'm like sitting here. I'm like, wait till my wife hears this. Oh, no, this stuff is real. <laughs> and this is the thing, bro. It gets even deeper than that. 
Yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about another. Yeah, okay. I'm children. liking this. Go you ahead. Got Come on, children added to the mix. And one thing about children is that what allows them to thrive is when there's stability in the home. But when there's instability between the parents, it creates a wonky psychological environment for the child. And in that child, because children are born egocentric, the world revolves around them. Now, that may sound selfish, but they have to be. A baby that don't cry, don't eat. So they have to be egocentric. And it's the parent's job to train that egocentricity out of them, to train them from being takers into being contributors. But if parents are fighting each other, that child will then integrate, because they're egocentric, they will self-blame the chaos that their parents are providing because they can't think any other way. It creates all kinds of mental health issues for them when they become adults. Some of those mental health issues that they have go into the marriage and then they got another person with another. And then here we go. Welcome to the show, right? I've been a part of that show, though. Thing that I'm not going to do on this show is sit here and say, like, everything's great all the time. We got stuff we got to work through. And I think it's really important for people to know that everyone's working through something, working on something, working through something. Because the last thing I want to do is have people hear this and be like, oh, that's not in my marriage, not my kids, not yet your kids, too. Yes, your marriage, too. Yes, all that. It It applies to all all of us. And particularly with the African-American community, the African-American family, not only do we have that standard dynamic, but culturally, culturally, it's starting again, talking about rational thinking, you know, it's indisputable that there was an objective to divide mothers and fathers and families of the African-American community. And again, I know like you shared, this is information that could be applicable to any culture, but African-Americans share a unique perspective. No other culture in this country had to deal with governmental objectives of breaking the family apart. No other culture had their identities taken away from them. No other culture had their culture, a culture imposed upon them. So that creates a unique situation for African-Americans. Latching their head, trying to figure out who they are. I mean, we don't have common, like when it comes to language, I think my wife is Mexican. And so her and her family, my in-laws don't speak English. My father-in-law speaks a little bit of English, but I love when they speak Spanish, which I understand most of it, not all of it, but I understand a fair portion of it. But to me, that always resonates with me because I'm like, they were able to keep that part of their culture. And that's something that they can share, you know, with the kids and with people that they may not even know, but they have that commonality outside of just being from the same place, but speaking the same language, liking the same food, just all those stuff. And that really helps build the cultural dynamic within the family and is positive. It's positive reinforcement of who we are and who our identity is. And we have a culture of African-Americans that have sometimes identity crisis. And see, this is the thing. We are a resilient people. You know, if we look at the successes that you've experienced, look at the successes that I've experienced. Many have experienced, but there's still a cultural identity crisis. And what you're doing and what others are doing is recognizing we need information. And not only information, we need to know how to apply it. An excellent book that was written, I think, in 1933, Carter G. Woodson, The Miseducation of the Negro, I think needs to be required reading for every African-American. Because with Carter G. Woodson, he's the one who implemented the Black History Month. What he was able to do was to identify 
the chains, the psychological chains that were put on African-Americans. And the fact that, I like one of the examples that he used was, he said, African-Americans are like those kids that were not allowed to go into the schoolhouse. Now, they can look inside the window and they can imitate what they see, but they're not really learning. They're just imitating. And that's what we've been left to do. There's not someone that's actually sitting down and teaching us how this works. We're just faking it. And the problem with it is you don't get any real depth. You get no substance. In fact, if anything, you don't really accomplish anything because the internal mechanisms are missing. And like what you're doing, in particular with the finances, is you are sharing what is the mechanism. Stop faking like you have money. Stop looking for the trappings, but actually get the inner workings of what allows wealth to be developed. That's the information that's missing. And we don't have enough, or let me rephrase that, not enough of us who knows the inner workings are passing that information along. Yeah, this is so true. I've said it before. There's plenty of people out there fighting the good fight. We just need to continue to find platforms for these people to disseminate this information to people that need it. I think it's something that's going to continue to grow as we see more people in professional places like you and myself and many other professionals of color. That's what we need to see. We have to see those people because we trust those people when we see them. And I'm not saying that we don't trust people that don't look, act, and talk like us. However, it does become a barrier to entry to us receiving the help that we need if someone does not give us the option to work with someone that looks like us. See, this is the thing. It's really quick here. My subconscious mind is resistant to anything I don't trust because my subconscious mind is designed to protect me from danger. See, I can listen to you because you understand my culture. You understand where I'm at, where I've been, what I struggle with, and what you share, especially if you've made it to the other side. I'm going to place some value in what you have to share. Now, I may have to break through some envy or whatever it may be, but Deep down, it's like, okay, if this guy was able to do it, and he's willing to share the road, the pathway that brought him to this point, I'm willing to listen as opposed to someone who does not share that same experience. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't learn from other people, but my subconscious mind has got to trust you. And if my subconscious mind has identified a type of person that is not trustworthy, I don't care what information they have, I'm not going to trust. It's hard for me to over or to get over that mistrust. And that's why. More of us, we've reached the mountaintop. More of us need to go back and show other people. This is why I have a problem with some of us who've made it being very critical of those who haven't made it in our race. Because this is the problem. This is the problem. Exposure, information, and knowledge is what brings people out. If all I've been exposed to, and again, I'm not excusing it, but if all I've been exposed to is drugs, banging, single parenting, and have not been taught and exposed to something else, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm where I'm at because of what I was exposed to. What's needed is not criticism. What's needed is more exposure. But we have to have the courage to go back and give our people exposure. And I've seen this happen in different, like, I think this is a people of color thing, not just a black thing. I've seen it in other cultures too. Like they've aspired or they've made it to some level of success in their head. And then they look back and say, well, what about these people? It was funny because we were talking about this the other day. 
some of my buddies and even my wife were bringing it up because I keep me a pack of like, no matter how good things are, I keep a box of Top Ramen noodles in the house just because I don't ever want to forget where I came from. Like I keep little different things like that and I'll eat them every once in a while too. One, because I like them because I grew up on them. I know they got tons of sodium in them. And if Chef Lauren is listening, she's going to kill me because she knows you shouldn't be eating that stuff. I get it. But sometimes that's the comfort food, you know? And I think that little subtle reminders of where you're from or where you've come from will do a good thing for you in keeping you grounded, I think. And you set those things up. For me, it's food. For me, it's a few other things. I love going into my old neighborhood where I grew up at. I'm not saying it like it's some tough ghetto that I grew up in, but I didn't grow up in, you know, I grew up on the other side of town in my neighborhood. And, you know, I like to go over there and I love giving back to the kids. I love talking at the high schools. I love giving young people an opportunity to learn from my experiences so they don't have to go through the same stuff that I've went through. And I feel like you're probably out doing a lot of the same work. Man, this is great stuff. We've been going here and I'm just going to tell you this. We have to have you back on. There's a whole thing that I'm like, I'm looking at some stuff and I think the next topic, I want to have you do a whole episode on this. I'm going to tell you now and listeners, if you're listening to this and you like it, then let us know, please, in the reviews that you write to us. But I want to do a whole show on what you do when you're in a rut and how you get unstuck. Like, I want you to do a whole show on that. So I'm not even going to have you touch on that today. I seen that in the notes that we got here and I'm like, man, we need to get on to that. What I will say, is this has been incredible. And I just wanted to give you a chance to share some thoughts that you had before we get into the changing complexion of wealth questions. I wanted to just go ahead and share some stuff with it. I don't even want to, I just, I don't even know what it is. I just feel like you need to share some. So go ahead and share what it is that you've got on your heart right now. Well, if there's anything that, you know, we want to embrace, want to embrace that regardless of where we come from, what our experience is not, you know, minimizing those experiences. We still, every day that God gives us, breath in our lungs, our eyes to see, we do have a choice. And one of the things that I'd want your listeners to embrace is that I don't care how bad it is, how tough your past or your circumstances have been, you still have the power of free will. And what that means is I can choose how I define my circumstance and recognize that whatever you allow your mind to focus in on is the direction you're going to go in. As the Bible says, if the man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I would challenge every one of your listeners to take responsibility of the thoughts that they meditate on. If you don't like the movie going on in your head, you need to replace the movie. Now, again, that's easier said than done because our subconscious mind has a tendency to focus more on the negative then the positive, and rightfully so, because it's wired to protect us. But we have to consciously take responsibility that if I have a negative movie, I'm not saying you deny reality, but what I am saying is focus more on where you want to go than the place you don't want to be. We repeat that again. Focus more on where you want to go than the negative place you don't want to be. Because what you focus in is where you are ultimately going. That's why you have to be careful of what you allow your eyes to see, what your ears to hear, and the associations that are around you. If it's not contributing positive, creative, constructive direction, then I need to have the courage to nip that sucker in the bud and replace it with something that's going to build. This is free jewelry coming to you from the man, Dave Stewart, right here. 
Let's keep going into changing the complexion of wealth questions. What motivates you to continue learning and growing and leading the way you do? Because I know the value of applied knowledge. And I say applied knowledge because a lot of us will hoard good information but not do anything with it. I am just a consummate student of how the mind operates. Now, I will share primarily it was my acceptance of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that got me moving in this direction. But one of the things, especially as a Christian, we have to recognize that God gave us a brain to use. He didn't have us check our brains at the door of faith. No, he wants us to use this brain. And you want to always be learning. And what motivates me is the human brain and why people do what they do. You'll never learn all of it. And I'm just hungry for it. I want to know more. Why do I do what I do? And why do others do what they do? That's a great driver. I mean, that's going to continually keep you motivated and moving forward. Do you think that education plays a big part in wealth building? Huge. Not only financially, but in how you do relationships, even the the potential success of your relationships, of your marriages. I see, you know, majority of my practice is couples. In many cases, they're where they're at because they learn some faulty information from their background. Either they came from broken families or if their parents were intact, it was just some poor information that was shared to them. So when they come in and I share with them what allows a marriage to succeed or fail and give them tools that actually work in allowing for a relationship to be bonded in love and to be full of peace and happiness and encouragement, once they receive that information, they're on fire. So education, formal and informal, is critically important because what it does is it gives you more tools to operate on this rock we call Earth. The more you know, the more potential you have of success in any endeavor. So if you could offer one piece of advice, I'd say to our families, to families out here today, if you're going to give some parting gifts of advice to families that listen to the Minority Money Podcast, what, what would that be? Stay humble, especially when it comes to family, because every moment you have with family is creating memories. One thing is we can lose a bunch of money and get it back, but we can never get back the time, the resource that we cannot, we cannot get back. What I would advise is take responsibility of this resource you have called time and make sure you're spending it wisely. Told you, gems, free jewelry coming to you from Dave Stewart. Dave, if people want to give more of you, they want to hear some more of these inspirational words, enlightening words, I feel enlightened. It's been a pleasure. But if people want to get more of you, what social medias are you active on? Are you active on social media? I'm active on Twitter. Just look up Coach D. Stu. That's my handle on Twitter. That's D. Stu. You want to spell that for us? And it's Coach, just regular. And then regular Coach. D is a dog. And then Stu, S-T-E-W. You got it. Okay. Constantly putting stuff out there. And if you visit my website, stewartfamilycounseling.com, there's a ton of information there as well because that links into other resources, blogs, et cetera, that I have online. That would be the best way to get more information on what I do. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure we put a link to all of that in the show notes. We'll even put a link to the book. What was the name of the book that you... Yeah, two books that I highly recommend your audience to read. is The Miseducation of the Negro 
by Carter G. Woodson and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Great books. Think and Grow Rich is, yeah, co-sign that all day. I'm going to read the other one because I just, I love reading. So I'm definitely going to read the other one. And I'm not sure if it's in print, but there's uh, Dennis Kimbrough wrote Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice as well. Oh, okay. Okay, it's yeah. incredible book. It's a story behind how he picked up on this, but it's by uh, Dennis Kimbrough. It's the same format of Think and Grow Rich, but it's full of successful African-Americans and the mindset that they had to achieve the level of success that they had received. Another great book to have in your library. Awesome. I will put links to all of that in the show notes. Dave, I want to thank you so much for your time today. The listeners, they have definitely been blessed by you coming on the show. We will be talking after we get off this episode to figure out when we get you back because we've got to have you back. I was looking at the time. I said, man, we got to get more of this guy. We got to get some more. Coach Dave got to be on here. We got to have you on. So once again, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it so much. This is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.